Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome to On The Bench. One step forward, two steps back. That has been the theme for the Seminoles for the past half decade. I don't know if Florida State even bothered taking a step forward this week before taking their two steps back. But first, I got to apologize for the lack of a true instant reaction podcast. You see, we had Chris up at the game at Wake Forest. Brent and I were going to jump on YouTube live and go for like 10 minutes and take questions while Chris was in the postgame presser. But things took longer than expected. And me and Brendan ended up being on there for like an hour and Chris never jumped in. So um, it wasn't the plan. We're going to get back to uh, the, the, the instant reaction podcast next week. Um, but we are back together on the bench once again for you guys on this lovely Monday morning. Chris, yeah. uh, are you back in Tallahassee? I am. I got back very early yesterday. I flew out about 5.15 a.m., so I was home by 9 a.m. So let me tell you about that post game. Fun times. Obviously, nobody's in a good mood. Game was dreadful. Nothing went well. We're waiting for Norvell. He takes pretty standard amount of time to get out there. We're doing it on the field. It's myself and I think four or five other media members all from this beat. And it starts raining smack dab in the middle of talking to him. And the rain simply keeps picking up. So that was sort of a nice little, you know, cherry on top of the cupcake of the evening. So then we move under a little canopy in the corner by where the buses are parked. And we're trying to talk to Trayshawn Ward, who's sort of a lighter speaker, not very booming voice, at least not in that setting. So it's insanely difficult to hear him as the buses are humming. Then we at least get back on the field and we get Amari Gaynor, but You know, defensive performance being what it was, Gaynor wasn't exactly in a place where he felt super great to be talking. Appreciate anybody that talks after a loss because it's not an enjoyable position to be in. But, you know, post games like that are not enjoyable and they do take a heck of a lot of time. And the problem at Wake is they're going to kick you out an hour after the game. And that's true at FSU now, too. I think that's becoming more and more common uh, post-COVID. It's become a thing for whatever reason. So you get back to the box, you're trying to crank out the transcript of what Norvell just said before you have to get in the car. And I had to drive about 30 minutes back from Wake to where I was staying, which was Greensboro High Point area. You notice that every time we talk to Trace Sean Ward, it rains, Chris? Like pours? When it rains at Ward's. Well, I, I didn't wish really you know. Just get the ball a little bit more. That would have been cool on Saturday. I'd been down for that. I had no idea really what happened in the post game. I knew that you got sidetracked. I didn't. I had. I had no idea all that went down. So that there is a legitimate reason why uh, we didn't do a podcast, and it wasn't really the plan to do it the way we did it. But if you guys want to go to our post game instant reaction, it is up on our YouTube page. You guys go there, subscribe, follow, all that kind of stuff. We appreciate it. Um, but we are on the bench today, Brendan. You look great. How are you doing? Thank you. I'm doing well. Is my hair better than it was the other night? I know it was a source of those listeners or watchers or whatever after the game were savages. They were very mean to me. Uh, They were very mean to the coaching staff. They're just very grumpy in general. I don't blame them. Uh, Chris, fans aren't happy after an 0 3 start where FSU has looked dreadful more often than not. Just don't make fun of my hair. My hair looks 
it's adequate. Uh, yeah, I just want to talk to Chris real quick since Brendan and I got most of our thoughts out on the post-game pod. We're going to break it down uh, more specifically, but I just wanted to see what you're thinking 36 hours out. I know not only were you there in person, uh, but you were live uh, texting us in the message group this yesterday morning as you watched the replay, which I thoroughly enjoyed that. You know, that should be like a Patreon level access is, is Chris's thoughts Chris's unfiltered thoughts on the game while he watches it at 6.30 in the morning on Sunday. Uh, but yeah, Chris, the, give it to us. The replay did no kindness to the crap I saw on Saturday in Winston-Salem. It was awful. FSU is not any good at anything right now. And there's things they should be better at than they are. Um, they can run the ball, but they do themselves a disservice with how to handle that. Trayshawn Ward was having an effective game to go away from it. Pitches the outsider working. They do it back-to-back plays, and then suddenly we don't see it again. Uh, defensively, they could not get a stop if their life depended on it. I mean, basically, Wake Forest ran the clock out for the last 30-some-odd minutes of that game on Saturday with no real concern about what FSU was going to try to do to them. That's just that's about as deflating of a statement as I can imagine when Wake Forest is just kind of, oh, we're, we're going to turn this into a running clock and convert for first downs consistently and get 27 of them in this game. And we're not going to throw the ball in the second half, but no concerns. We're going to be fine. And then, of course, FSU decides to give the ball away six times, five times where it was true turnovers. One time was a hill mirror that was picked off. Mm-hmm. I, there's not a single facet of that game that I think you can be pleased with, with what FSU did. Offensively, the quarterback situation is a mess, and you got guys who can't finish games consistently in Jordan Travis. Running backs, you know, they've been the biggest bright spot of the offense. Corbin last week, Ward this past weekend. But Seeing Corbin put it on the turf was very disappointing. Yeah, and it was early. And, yeah, it certainly was. Not not something he customarily does. Um, but I'm not worried about Corbin. I'm not worried about Ward. They're two guys. No, I'm just saying in a game where, you know, those are the guys you're not worried about, and those are the guys – those were the guys making the mistakes. Receivers, you feel like you just can't rely upon them for any plays of significance. And throwing a jump ball down the field to Keyshawn Helton is – I don't know what the hell we're thinking there. That's just asinine to me. You're throwing it to a short guy down the field when you have tall guys on your roster. Mm. It, and it's not like it was an open route or it closed up. No, he was covered the whole way down, and then it became multiple players in coverage, and it turns into an interception. I just thought it was stupid. O-line's not any good. We knew that. That's no shocker. You know, center position's a concern. But Bavion actually played pretty well. I thought Bavion was the best O-lineman on Saturday, which is a sad statement within itself. And then, obviously, you don't have Robert Scott, so you're going to have a massive fall-off at tackle. And they did, and it showed. And Wake kind of dominated the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. FSU's D-line is still the strength of that defense. But on Saturday, they were not dominant. There were not very many negative plays in the second half. I think there were two prior to the two nail downs at the end of the second half for Wake Forest offensively, only two negative plays. And when you know they're just going to line up and run it down your throat, come on, do your job. It's not that difficult. I mean, do we need to get into the secondary and the fact that they're getting gashed every single time ball goes vertical and if they're not grabbing, holding, or getting PIs? I mean, it's it's pitiful. It's fundamentally unsound football. Technique is crap. They're not good, and they're playing poorly. And they didn't look like a team that was super engaged in a game that was extremely important for them. So come away with any really good feelings about it. You know, I thought they may respond. I picked them to win for that very reason. Hell, I went a little optimist on us. Nah, that's all gone. After watching 60 minutes of that football game, I don't expect a response from this football team. Okay. Thank you. It's been You're a heck of a 36 Josh. hours for you. That All that no, going I, through I'm your mind fine. all like, day? 
I wasn't truthfully, I was not angry at the end of the game. I'm still not angry now. Like anger is a different feeling. They look pitiful. I know. We're all sad. Uh, but Brendan, um, last week we harped on self-inflicted penalties, mistakes, um, and just playing poorly situational in general. Um, having yourself had a couple hours to digest it all, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, the situational defense was pretty pitiful. Uh, I'm trying, trying to think of some of the numbers off the top of my head. Uh, I think they, they allowed – seven third down conversions in the first half. And, and the issue was like a lot of these are third and longs and you're right. either committing penalties. So you're either, you know, Jerry and Jones, a couple of those were, they were very deflating conversions. They were, you're, you're probably like playing okay on a down to down basis, which is kind of what wake forest does. They kind of want to lure you to sleep a little bit, but then you got to win those, those cash downs. And that's what's so frustrating is, you know, FSU practices situations all the time. Like they are constantly harping on it. They're putting the, the guys on offense and defense in third down situations and emphasizing it. And, and to see the defense uh, play as poorly as it did on third down, it, it was deflating. Cause you got to happen early. I mean, two yeah, of the ones but, that I noted, were running into the kicker in the first quarter. You know, the right. score was 7-0. It was very deflating. We we're about to get off the field. It was third and long, and they ran into the kicker. Wake scores. And, Wake and was then, a, then on another driver two later, Jerry and Jones. It's third and seven, and FSU's off the field, literally off the field. Jerry and Jones, you know, whatever happens on the sideline, whether – I don't know if it was penalty, to be honest with you. Watch, Mike, Norve calls. watch Mike Norvell's response with Jerry and Jones because the first thing he does is look over at Jerry, Jerry and Jones incredulously, like with his hands out in the air. And then he looks to the refs and is mad at the refs. Like it was a 50-50 call. It was. Good, he, good it teams, was. though, I will say this, good teams get the benefit of the doubt and you don't put yourself in position for those 50-50 calls. And that's the issue is Darren yeah. Williamson may have been roughing the, the kicker. It may have been running into the kicker. It could have gone either way. Maybe 60-40. Maybe it shouldn't have been called. But you continually put yourself in those positions. Saturday is what happens. You allow a game that should be pretty close to snowball and get away from you and never really be competitive. That's what happens. Yeah. Chris? No, he's right. I, I was going to say on those two calls, it should have been running into the kicker, not roughing the kicker, but you're not going to get the benefit of the doubt. And on the Jones sideline situation, it looks worse in real time without being able to slow it down and realize he basically tripped on the sideline and fell. It's not like Jones took him to the ground on the sideline. It probably shouldn't be a penalty. But again, FSU racks up penalties with such regularity and plays such unfundamentally sound football that well, you're, you're going to get flagged like that. You're, you're basically been profiled as a team when it comes to being penalized. Well, we, so like, yeah, but it's, it's Chris, we threw a new wrinkle at him this week. We got flagged for too many men on the field on defense twice. Like we haven't, twice, that's yeah. usually not in our, in our repertoire. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. a new one. That's a little more previous regime repertoire repertoire. Yeah. It, it, no, it's ugly football. And I mean, they finished with what? I think it was seven for 67. Is that the number on the penalties? Here, uh, penalties. I, 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 yeah. Let me that sounds real right, Chris. quick here. Yeah, penalties yeah. number of yards, 7 for 65. And Wake actually had 8 for 74. And Wake is usually a much sharper team. That crew was not good on Saturday. But I'm tired of saying crews are bad, even though I think most officiating is crap. FSU has to do a better job of not giving officials a reason to pull out the hanky. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And there was right, just so a little... I'll read Kyle May's question. What was the deal with J-Trav laying down at Norvell's direction? The official made J-Trav leave the field because I believe he was essentially injured on the play. I believe Norvell had him lay down as an injury to get the injury timeout to deal with that. They obviously did not 
you know, do that. They just made him get off the field. But that's why they had him do it. If he does that in the middle of the field, it's probably granted. None of that looks as awkward and weird as it looked, but obviously it looked very awkward and weird. <clears throat> and then Mackenzie Milton threw the interception that next play. Yeah. On second and 19. All right. The, I, let's talk. No, let's stick there. Let's stick with the okay. uh, quarterback usage because Chris hit on it on the intro. We've kind of danced around it a little bit, but uh, Brendan, just start with you. Like, sum up where we're at with the QB situation heading into this fourth week. So there are through three games, I can have three definitives that we know. All right. <laughs> One is that the usage has been this erratic. Is crazy, by the it's way. been different every single week. Jordan Travis starts the first game. Mackenzie Milton comes in after his helmet goes off, and they say he couldn't return. Uh, and finishes that game in pretty memorable fashion. Second week, Mackenzie Milton gets to start. Jordan Travis gets integrated into the second drive, and then was it the third or fourth drive? And then we never see him again. He plays eight plays. Right. Um, the third game, Mackenzie Milton starts, but they rotate the quarterbacks literally every other drive for the first four drives until they find a hot hand. It's Jordan Travis. He gets hurt and cannot return. So, well, that's one of them, is that there's sporadic usage. Two, Jordan Travis has left every single game and not returned for whatever reason. Um, for various say, reasons. For various reasons. Not for whatever reason. For various reasons. He's not returned uh, in all three games. He has not been able to finish the game or has not finished the game. Uh, third, it's not working very well, regardless of who you have in at quarterback right now. FSU is, I think, like 110th nationally in passer rating. Uh, the passing offense is extremely pedestrian. We had concerns about it with the wide receivers and the explosiveness entering the year. Uh, the offensive line being dinged up and injured has not helped them at all. It's tough when you have two key guys out. And then uh, Love Taylor does not look 100%. It's probably your most important piece on the offensive line. Regardless, what you're doing right now isn't working. And we're just seeing something every single week. Uh, yeah, that's the quarterback usage right now. It's kind of confounding and, and ineffective. So who do you think we see trot out there as the starter against Louisville? I think... Well, I don't know. I don't know who we're going to see at this point. I would say that Jordan Travis is who you ride right now. I think that gives your offense the the best chance for competency. The highest upside is probably still McKenzie Milton. But at this point, I'm ready. You're 0-3. I'm ready to kind of ditch the uh, we're trying to be balanced on offense experiment. Find what right. you do well, commit to it. Uh, but then the downside is just J-Trav stay healthy for an right. entire Right. I was going to say, what what's the difference? We're going to see them both anyway, right? Let me go ahead and do it. Is it Purdy time? Ah, it's J-Rod, Chubba time. Chubba time. It's excellent um, producing. Who threw that up there right then? I don't know. Wow. Very well done. Wow. But is it Purdy time? I don't know that it's Purdy time. I, I worry about damaging that kid behind this offensive line because, well, it's offensive We're all line. damaged right now, Chris. <laughs> Talk for yourself, Joshua. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if you go with Purdy. I was surprised wholeheartedly that Purdy didn't get either the last series or the last two series at Wake. One, I think running Milton back out there is just harmful to his health. I mean, he got lit up like a Christmas tree on the fumble when he got hit two ways. I do I get I do that. get concerned watching him. Like when he gets hit like that, I do hold my breath. It is yeah. At some, at some point, you understand you've lost this game. And well, personally, watching it from the box, that game was lost before the fourth quarter ever began. Um, I thought maybe you give Purdy a chance there, kind of like the end of Louisville last year, where he got the chance and see if it provides a spark because this team desperately needs a spark at this point. Um, and the offense desperately needs it. But I think I going back to what Sinone was saying, I'm going with Jay Travis, the idea it's about figure out what your identity is and go be that. Stop being complex. Stop trying to be special. Keep it simple. Start there. See if it works. Go from there. Cause what you've tried for three weeks has not worked effectively. So at this point, I think you're an option based offense with, 
Jordan Travis as your quarterback, but obviously the biggest concern there is can he play 60, 70, 80 snaps in a game without getting banged up and knocked out. And the broadcast crew kept saying multiple times that FSU's coaches have two separate game plans for the two different quarterbacks, uh, Jay Trav and, and Mackenzie Milton. When you're not able to execute either well, um, there's one thing if it's working, right? And if you're able to build on it and have efficiency, but that's just not what, what's happening right now. Um, so to Chris's point, scaling it back is probably what you have to do. Two game plans. Now just focus on doing one thing well, figure it out, and, and then tailor your offense to that. And it might be Chubba Purdy being the backup to Jordan Travis because he could em- emulate what Jordan does a little bit more consistently than, than McKenzie's playing style. Chris, do you see any other major personnel changes to be made on offense? I know we talked about QB, but outside of QB. Well, I mean, they did some of that. I mean, Parchment played very little. I think he had five offensive snaps in this game. That's a drastic reduction from who did we Carly. see in his in his spot? Williamson got a bit more burn. Uh, Ken, Pokey Ken Wilson Tron. being Pokey Ken Wilson Tron being back off. also obviously claimed some of those. Uh, Tron also saw some action, but the results weren't very right. different. Um, yeah, tight end. I don't see a drastic change. Maybe you play a guy like Jackson West a little bit more. We saw him some in the first game of the season. I don't think we've seen him since. Uh, maybe give him a shot and see if he gives you a spark there. Running back room. Uh, it's more stay with the hot hand when it's hot and keep going to it. You know, uh, Trayshawn Ward was effective on Saturday and he got such a limited amount of touches. It's sort of mind blowing. But then again, FSU only ran 51 offensive plays in that game, and they did not do a good job of staying on the field to any degree in the second half. So. That's part of that. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm of the opinion with the offense, if you're going to have to live and die by being explosive, do your best job at being explosive. They're, they're not an offense that can consistently put together drives right now. We're getting a couple users asking for Ja'Kai Douglas, uh, Treshawn Ward, Corey Wren, getting more speed out there. You know, we've seen Corey Wren be kind of effective, actually pretty effective on a couple kickoff returns, and that's about yeah, yeah. this season. 31-yarder on Saturday that came back because of Brendan Gant's penalty. But, yeah, that was one of the better returns he's had this year. Douglas we did not see as a factor in the offense on Saturday, which is slightly surprising. I don't think he's a super well-rounded player, but he has a niche. There's things you can do with him. Trayshawn Ward needs to be featured a lot along with Jay Sean Corbin. In my opinion, two best players offensively for them have been through three games, Corbin and Ward. And you can put them in whatever order you want to. I think Corbin's been a little more consistent overall in the three, but Ward was very, very good on Saturday. But those are your two guys, and you got to ride them. And if nothing else, drain the clock, play keep away, run more than 51 plays in a game. Don't allow the other team to have 38 more plays run than you. Don't allow the other team to just completely own <laughs> the ball. So time um, of possession can be kind of a meaningless number sometimes, but what was it, 41 to 29? Like, it, it was significant. 39, 13 to 20, 47. Okay. Switch it over to the offense or the defensive side of the ball. Do we speak to the coordinators today? Supposed to. Okay. So we're expecting to hear from Fuller, correct? That's what the itinerary says. As of of Monday morning at 930. We are expecting to hear from the FSU, the Knowles 24-7 message board was expecting to hear some other news by 1 p.m. yesterday, which didn't come. Um, Adam Fuller is still the defensive coordinator at Florida State, at least to us, as we broadcast this on Monday morning. Um, Brendan, we saw some big plays. Uh, 
looked like the secondary was getting beat left and right. Is there an answer right now? I mean, I know the coaches put a lot into these transfers, whether they were Jerry and Jones, Miko Dotson, um, you know, the list goes on for state just cannot find the right combination on the back end of that defense. It, it's incredible because the pass rush has kind of been fixed. It wasn't great against wake fours, but FSU is a top 20 team in, in sacks uh, per passing attempt. They're a top 20 team in tackles for loss. So, so the forcing unit, the front porch, as they like to call it, is doing what needs to do. Jermaine Johnson, Kerr Thomas, Fabian Lovett have all been hits in the transfer portal, in my opinion. The back end is really confusing, Josh, and I'm struggling to really figure out, like, what, what, where's the disconnect? What's the issue? Uh, why is that group not better than, than it has been? I mean, Travis Jay being a non-factor, really, and, and giving up some big plays against Notre Dame and, and in subsequent games not really doing much of anything uh, has been really perplexing and, and disappointing because he had such a, a good preseason and, and worked his way into the starting lineup. Jerry and Jones uh, just, it's not clicking for him. I mean, he's someone who flashed in the spring felt he was happy, healthy. I know you're shaking your head there, Josh, uh, you never really bought in on the Jerry and Jones hype. Uh, and, and he looked really poor on, on Saturday, he gave up that long reception early on in the game. You know, Wake Forest only goes deep 20 yards beyond uh, the sticks four times they complete two of those passes for about 100 yards. So it's a level of efficiency that you really can't give up. Jarvis Brownlee uh, is one of – he's giving up more yards per, per completion right now than just about any cornerback in college football. There's maybe two more at the Power 5 level where are giving up more per completion than, than Jarvis Brownlee. So I'm throwing out all these different names, and none of them are sticking. They're all having issues at cornerback. Uh, people are clamoring for Kevin Knowles, uh, Duke Cooper, Hunter Washington, so freshmen – at cornerback and yeah you can try that out and see how it works i know fsu likes all three of those guys but they're not playing for a reason because they haven't been the better players at practice uh, maybe you, you trot them out there and you see what happens i don't know if the results can be a whole lot worse than they've been right now it's been really confusing uh and i know frustrating for the fan base to see the pass defense especially when the, the front end is doing what it's supposed to do that the back end uh played as poorly wake had four chunk plays through the year for 128 yards most notable, the 49-yard touchdown where A.T. Perry got hit by Sam Hartman. That was just a one-on-one -on -one foot race. He was beat. So that pushes the season total through three games, 21 chunk passing plays. That's 15 or more yards through the year, 598 passing yards, six touchdown passes on those plays. It's been a massive issue. I mean, there were 12 against Notre Dame, so that kind of set the table. It's actually decreased with each week, but it's a major issue. I thought on Saturday I saw more – what appeared to be communication issues mm -hmm. between safeties and corners, uh, pre-snap guys talking, post big plays guys talking than I've seen in the prior two games. So it feels like it's trending in a negative direction with regards to that. And that's always concerning. You know, I feel like we're one week away from the Stanford Samuels arms up running behind a guy moment of life. So yeah, yeah. Pat, passing defense is just downright dreadful. FSU's allowed 15 passes of 20 or more yards on the season. That ranks 123rd nationally, second worst among Power 5 teams. Thanks, Illinois, for being worse. Um, you know, they've allowed five completions of 40 or more yards and a pair of completions for 50 or more yards through three games. You can't get away with that. Those are big and numbers. A, a great example a of numbers. the secondary's issues beyond just guys getting wide open on busted plays is, for example, on the play where FSU ripped the ball out and Dennis Briggs recovers the fumble, I forget who it was lined up on. I think it was Jamie Robinson. That was Jamie Robinson yeah, in the he, slot. He ends up ripping the ball. He gets frozen and shook completely off the line of scrimmage. It's the reason that ball is caught. And truthfully, if the receiver goes down there, it's a 30, 40-yard gain. 
you know, Robinson did catch up, did rip the ball out. That's a positive. But, like, the beginning of that play, he completely gets torched off the line of scrimmage. We're getting questions in here. Is anybody, is anybody playing well? No. In secondary? Mm-hmm. I think Sidney Williams is probably the one that I would say has been the best. And he's, he's going to miss. He wasn't particularly first half. good on Saturday. Who's missing the first half of the – Sydney. Sid, Sydney Williams. He got targeting in the second half. Weston, the answer to that question, why isn't Winston on the hot seat? Um, he's a there's a five star recruit up in Georgia that's pretty good. That is pretty tied to Woodson. For that's this might good. be difficult for those listening to this normally as an audio podcast, but Brendan is answering questions simultaneously of people that are submitting them into this. So if you're wondering why he's just doing that, that's why. Yes. And the question is, why isn't Woodson on the hot seat? Because he just signed a contract extension. Maybe. And and because he, he's bringing Travis Hunter to the fold. I almost said Tyler Hunter. I know he's not. I mean, FSU's on three. I feel like everyone's what, on the hot Hold seat on. Travis Hunter would come if I was the DB coach. No, I, I don't think so. I think Travis Hunter's attachment to FSU first. He was born this way. Marcus Woodson. I think the combination of him being a diehard FSU fan and him having a, the best relationship with Marcus Woodson of any person he was recruiting him. Is Wasn't he coach. committed before Marcus Woodson was hired? No. No. He committed no, afterward? He, he came in right after rushing – left for A&M, and Woodson had gotten hired. He was one of Woodson's first guys he hosted. Yeah, well, I mean, Woodson's not getting fired. He's done a great job on the recruiting trail. The DB have played terrible, but um, so is the rest of the team. So I don't think he's – they just extended him, right? Yeah, they just extended him. No, he's not okay. – I mean, everything needs to be evaluated at this point, uh, yeah. it, it, both sides of the ball. And it starts at the top with Norvell, and it, it goes and trickles down. But, you know. People aren't going to come for Norvell first. That's not how this works. Uh, people are going to start coming for assistant coaches and staffers and coordinators if they want to see change. When I say people, I mean the fans. If the we're ranking teams. who they want fired first, who's sitting atop those rankings right now? Who's they? I think it's Adam Fuller. Who's they? Fan base. The fan base. Oh, okay. Yeah, Adam Fuller, they've wanted fired a good chunk of them for since last year. Uh, and we were willing to extend a, a pass because of the COVID year or whatnot, but we knew that if the defense struggled early in the year. We knew that that, that fire would, would light up pretty quickly again, even with last year being kind of a gimme year. Are we ready to turn the page? Dilly got a vote from a listener. Fuller gets a vote from another listener. I can't keep up with Fuller the Fuller guys. gets another vote from another listener, and there's another Fuller vote. Fuller and Marv, hey, you can only have one. And the Dugans. Dugans. We're just diversifying the portfolio at this point. The fan base is irritated because they're own three. So they're standard bad. Yeah. And I'm getting, getting worse, worse. If we're getting worse is what it feels like. <laughs> yep. 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 Um, Great show, ready, guys. <laughs> since we're ready to turn the page, has anybody, did anybody watch the UCF Louisville game? Get a little advanced scouting for this one? I, I, I watched did. the I first drive and fell asleep. I watched the whole thing. I uh, spent a little time at the hotel bar, only had one refreshment for those listening. Enjoyed a scrumptious burger. Uh, actually saw Gene Decker off and the radio crew for FSU, Tom Block, those type of guys. Talked to Tom a good bit. Always good talking to Tom. Tom's good people. Um, but I watched a little bit of the start of the game down there and then went back to the room and watched the entire second half as Brendan's mighty knights were yeah. taken you, down. You had to, for the for your 247 on Louisville, you had to put a picture of Malik Cunningham celebrating a touchdown against uh, UCF, well, didn't you? Didn't UCF you? got the face good Malik. There's good Malik and bad Malik, and who knows which one's going to show up on Saturday, but good Malik is a pain in the butt. UCF he was, face that version. 
He was limping I, an awful lot, especially at the end of the game. I have a game. feeling that Florida State's defense is going to play into which Malik we see. Like, I think they're going to have some sort of say in this. Well, it's simple. You got to bother him. You got to take him down to the ground. Like, it's that simple. You, you can't allow Malik Cunningham to have a second life, especially as a runner, because he will eat you a lot. Right. Um, you guys are going to do your preview pod like normal? Yeah, that's the plan. Sure. <laughs> what what was that P- question it, that you popped up there? It was a, a facetious Fire Sinone question. Fire Sinone. Malik Cunningham will have 500 all-purpose yards and four total touchdowns. I was known that. I think he's more likely to be in the 300 realm. That's usually kind of his magic number, about 200 passing, 100 rushing type of good games. Um, and the touchdown total is more likely to be two or three than four. So I also know that. We'll do a – I think we should probably do a Louisville preview pod. We want to be consistent. Uh, but if yeah. people are not – if people – listen, if we get to the point where we're oh, – you know, looking people at people said that they don't want to listen to the preview pod? No, I think people enjoy it. I think so too. I don't know why Brendan's cutting it off. Brendan's just in a bad place. He he's playing the role of Chris last season, I think. And we do have a pool to see which one of us breaks down by October. And Not I, only me. I, I may be the first I removed Pat's, Pat's phone. Oh, I thought Pat's we were talking about the team. My phone. Has so the team itself broken down yet, though? The team? No. Um, but it did feel like it was trending in that direction on the, Saturday. The fourth quarter, there were a lot of whiff tackles, the a lot of guys going through the motions. Any stops is not a positive sign in the yeah. sense of just, just you know, there were too many instances where Wake, in a game that's completely decided, Wake is just taking it to him, just pushing him off the line, driving him four or five yards downfield. That You don't want to see that. That's an extremely negative thing when it's sort of a mono-a-mono fight and you're losing it. And FSU lost it a lot. Hmm. They sure did. All right. Sinone is the first one to break down. I will buy that because Josh is too cool of a cucumber at this point to do that. And I'm changed. It's not about being cool. It's just uh, I'm not coaching the team. Like sometimes (laughs) I get the sense that like Brendan or sometimes you, like your anxieties are like riding on the fact that this team isn't getting better. And it's like, yo, we just, we just cover this. Yeah. Whatever this is, we cover it. Like we don't, our, at least our jobs aren't relying on how they play, on what they do. I mean, we don't have nearly as much pressure on us as those people within the more do. Well, it's funny. 2017, I was miserable. 2019, I was sort of like, yeah, I I know what's happening here. Like, you know, let's play this out. 2020 was 2020. Crappiest year in the history of human time, maybe. (laughs) Um, this year I'm just sort of like it's ultra disappointing. I didn't have high expectations. I mean, hell, I thought six and six was going to be a battle, a struggle. Brandon was texting me during some of those preseason practices. Like, I don't know if Chris is going to make it to the season. This team is looking so bad out here. <laughs> like, the Brandon was, Brandon was on to something. There, well, that, there was that, well, that was at a time when the two starting quarterbacks yeah. were not participating, and the two centers that they have on the roster weren't participating. And at that point, like that two or three day stretch, it's like, what are we doing here? Like, why are we practicing these days? Just the, the I think it was a Tuesday practice stuff. when the quarterbacks, the reserve quarterbacks, decided to throw eight interceptions or whatever it was. I'm just like, yeah, no, I'm done here. Like, no, <laughs> it, it reminded me of the uh, I think it was the Thursday before the spring game where it was about the worst practice I've ever seen. Um, uh, the, this past week's practice was a tough Tuesday. Tuesday. Tuesday practice and yeah. we articulated that we said that it, there was some issues but you know they had a great sharp practice that Tuesday before Jacksonville After State and yeah. what does that mean 
It not, means nothing. Right. Means yeah. nothing. <laughs> there, there's a massive issue for this team, and I'm not trying to say they're world beaters in practice by any stretch of the imagination, but there is a massive issue of a lot of stuff in practice is not translating at all to Saturdays. Just the disconnect. I don't know if that falls uh, on players, coaches. I don't know, but I I feel like our subscribers want us to have an answer for where that disconnect is coming from. And I, guys, I don't, I don't know. I don't think the people that are getting paid millions of dollars know where the disconnect is happening. Right, that's the thing. And it's been multiple people getting paid millions of dollars to do it that have have not been able to kind of crack the formula at this point and find the secret sauce. I don't know. I don't know. Sorry, right. I know that's not entertaining. Well, we expect you to have these answers when we come back to the Louisville preview uh, show on Thursday. Uh, Chris and Brendan will be there for that. I will. I'm opting out. It's opt-out season, baby. All right. Thank you for listening. For Chris Nee, for Brendan Sinone, I am Josh Newberg. We'll be back later. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.